You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. So Romans 8, let's just go there as we try and see what we can do and then we'll pray tonight. He said, what then shall we say to these things? Romans 8, 31. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be? He says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also what? Freely give us all things. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also what? Freely give us all things. All things. And then if we we'll go back a bit, jump to, uh, go back to verse 28. It says, and we know that what? All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things. I believe um, his New Living Translation will say, we know that God causes all things to work together, like we've, uh, you know, we've learned. It's not as if all things are good. Praise the Lord. But because we belong to God, he causes all things to work together for our good. Praise the Lord. And having this as a background, I want to first establish that the Christian never loses. The Christian never loses. Your life, my life, is hid in Christ. And Christ is victorious already. Praise the Lord. The battle he should have, if the enemy was anything, he should have lost, was being raised from the dead. But when he was raised from the dead, he made a public spectacle. He spoiled principalities and he neutralized. That word spoiled means he made nonsense. He made them non-existent. He spoiled their efficacy. Praise the Lord. He made nonsense of them when he was raised from the dead. And now you and I were raised together with him. Praise the Lord. So the Christian has also won. And then he goes on to tell us that if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now even on this journey, dwells in you and I, he says that same spirit is what? Is able, will do what? To also raise us up. So whatever circumstance, whatever situation we find ourselves in, let us know that if it's not a good one, we should expect raising. Praise the Lord. We should expect a quickening in the name of Jesus. So the Christian is victorious. That's why we do who can stand against the Lord. No one can. So what we see and what we imagine or what tries to come to us as defeat or failure as all of that, they are illusions. Praise God. There's something important we looked at on Sunday that I want us to just touch again and then we round up. Being born again or being a Christian, like we said, involves a change of perception. A change of perception. You can call it believing in God. The Bible says Abraham believed God, isn't it? And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, what does it mean? I mean, many times you look at words and they sound religious. So, I come to Sister Yvonne now, and I say to Sister Yvonne, you know this uh, Yamaha keyboard, okay? It's no longer Yamaha keyboard. It is a um, Samsung keyboard. And she looks at it, and then uh, Mira asks her, what's that thing? She says, it's Samsung keyboard. God says, you're righteous. You know why? Because she has changed her position based on what God said. That is what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who was looking at things one way and God comes and says, no, this is not that way, it's this, this way. And he immediately drops what he thinks it is and also picks up what God says it is. And then this fight we are saying is a fight to defend what God says it is. As long as we are on earth, the earth and everything around us will be trying to tell us that it is not what God says it is. Are you with me? And I want to take you to Genesis because I always like going back to Genesis. Now, let me ask you something now. Like we mentioned in part on Sunday, 
Genesis 2.16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may what? Freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat it, what will happen? You shall surely die. Do you see anything here that was there something that God said further than that? Did he say this tree is, has spikes? This tree has this? Did he say anything like that? He just said, I'm God. Okay? And this is what I say. Now, the life of Adam and Eve was made simple. It was made like, okay, every tree is good for you. But this one is what? It's bad for you. It's not good for you. Simple. But note that they call the tree they shouldn't eat what? The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. They didn't even call it the tree of evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because eating that tree means you have decided to be your own God. God had told you this is good, this is not good. But the day you guys eat that tree, you're saying to God, can I take independence from you and run my life? Can I become a sovereign? Can I become a master of my destiny? So when the enemy came in Genesis 3 and tempted Eve and said, did God really say you shouldn't eat? And Eve said yes, and in all of that. But she and Adam still went on and ate. If you now notice, if you go to Genesis chapter 3 now, I'll show you something there also. In Genesis chapter 3, after they had disobeyed God and eaten the one they shouldn't eat, look at what begins to happen now in verse 22. In verse 22 of Genesis 3, I hope it's on the screen, thank you, and also in your Bible. In verse 22 of Genesis 3, it says what? Then the Lord God said, Behold, what? The man has become like what? What has he be? How has he become like one of us? To know good and evil. Before you were safe. Before you were protected. Before you were shielded. God was for you. God was your eye. God was your provider. God was your healer. God was everything for you. But now you have become independent. So you fight your own battles. Look at what God said there. He said, and now lest he also do what? Put out his hand and take also of the tree of life. What is this saying? He's saying if you're in this state, you shouldn't live. Do you understand? If you're in this state, it will be even more dangerous for you to live. In the state you are, you shouldn't. So what did he say? He said, let us also what? Verse 23, he says, he put... Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of the, to till the ground, and he drove out the man, and he placed what? Cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard what? The way to the tree of life. Now, notice from get-go, this tree of life was in the garden. Why didn't man go to eat it? Why didn't he eat it first? Praise the Lord. But you see, there are things that tickle. There are things that, that, that pull us. There are things that are concerned. I first want to say to someone here, you see, that thing that you think is most important to you is not really that important. You should ask God, what should I concern myself with? Our Lord Jesus teaching us, very important teaching, Matthew 6, said to us, after these things, the Gentiles do what? He didn't say you don't need them. He didn't say they are bad. He just said what? The Gentiles are bothered about these things. But you, what should you do? Seek first. It's the same thing like saying to Adam and Eve, this tree of life, go and eat it first though. Praise the Lord. But he said to him, the Gentiles seek after, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what will happen? All these other things shall be what? Added unto you. So it's not as if they don't matter, but in the scheme of things, they fade in significance. And that's the challenge of the Christian. And that's why things are thrown at us. That's why we go through things to see whether you will leave what is important, you leave what is primary, you leave what is ultimate, and come down to things that don't matter. If you've been born again for over 10 years, let me see your hand. 10 years. Praise God. Thank you. Ten years ago, if you can picture yourself ten years ago, do you remember something that was such a burden to you? Something that was such a serious thing to you? Now, imagine 
if God took you that seriously and that was all the best thing he did for you, how will you be feeling there? Some of us maybe was house rent. Some of us was married. Some of us was a child. Some of us was something else. But imagine how now it means nothing. Why? Because you really don't know what you need. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not so much an answer in that he brings us things. He's an answer in that he gives us himself. That's why he says, God doesn't show us the way. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the what? I am the life. So the Christian is someone like we're saying, who has come and has said to God, show me, teach me, make me, everything, let it be from you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, isn't it? In simple words, faith is what? Seeing things as God says it and calling things what God calls it. Now, we also oftentimes look at faith as a process, as a process to achieve an end. So we want to use faith to achieve something that is not of faith. Let me repeat that statement. We read the scriptures like our Lord Jesus said to the Jews. He says, you search the scriptures and in them you think what? You will find life. But you won't come to me. You won't come to life. Praise God. Life is standing amongst you. But you take the scriptures and you're searching it. But life is standing amongst you. You won't come to life. The same way when we take faith now, we want to take the steps of faith, but we don't want to enter into the life, the mindset of faith. Let me break down what I'm trying to say to us today now. God said to them, don't eat of this fruit. And Satan came and made them consider the fruit. And they saw that the fruit was what? Good for food, desirable to make one wise. Um, pleasurable to, to the eyes. Now, they now ate it. Faith, my faith and your faith tonight should step a notch higher from process because they succeeded in eating. But they succeeded in doing what? Eating the wrong thing. I want you and I to see faith now as a level where you and I come and if God says this thing is good, it becomes what? If God says this thing is bad, it becomes what? Bad. And then we live our lives daily at that level. Why, why are we sharing this? It's fundamental. It's basic, but it, it's very important. Because the whole life of a Christian is determined by what is good. And that's why many times we gather, you know, people gather as Christians, and we're pursuing good things, not the will of God. So the advert is, you get married, you have children, you buy a car, you build house, isn't it? And they're all good things. But the issue is, what is the will of God? Because they may be in that situation, like the tree of the knowledge of them, I bring death. Abraham was not suffering where he was when God called him on. He was a rich man already when God spoke to him. But somehow he believed God. That God was going to take him to a city, like the Bible tells us in him, whose builder and maker is what? God. So he left what was good, unquote, and followed what was uncertain. Why? Because all of a sudden he has said, I want to see the world only as God tells me it is. What am I saying? You will begin to enjoy your Christian life when you come to it from this perspective. That what God says is good is what? And what God says is not good and what God says, I shouldn't bother about, I shouldn't do what? Simple. The truth is this. Many things that we overload ourselves with and that bring depression are the very things God said he shouldn't bother about. And the very things that God is bothered we should bother about, we don't bother about it. You know, we, we always say jokingly here, how many people are bothered about their level of fruit bearing? The fruit of the Spirit. You're checking yourself and your patience level has not gone up since the beginning of the year. But very soon, the end of the year will come. And there will be people that will be preaching to us, double, double, the end of this year. God will crown the year with multiple blessings. But you, the one that he calls fruit, you have not bothered about it. Are you with me? How many people are bothered about their giving? You came into this year and maybe you are faithful already in tithe. Did you increase it? Have you increased it from 10% to 15%? Because the Bible says what? Uh, quoting our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, it is more what? Blessed to what? Than to receive. You know, many of us don't believe that one. We think it's a joke. 
Many of us, when that one is a mistake in the Bible. Because a testimony is not when I give. Testimony is what? When I receive. How many times has someone said, Pastor, I want to share a testimony, and they give me? He said, Praise the Lord. In the last one month, I've given 70 million. Hallelujah. The only time people say it is that when they say, I gave 7,000, and then God gave me 70 million. So what is he sharing? He's sharing a testimony of receiving. Why? Because to him, receiving is good. Giving is, giving is a loss. But that's not what the Bible says. And that is the real faith. Faith is not conjuring. Faith is not greed. Many things we call faith is greed. And listen, the devil has power to respond to certain things. If you lost for something, the enemy can help you get it. If you're desperate for something, he can help you get it. You know why? He knows that in getting it, like the Bible says, when desire is full-blown, it leads to sin. It will not help you. So he can help you get it, but it won't satisfy you. So we are learning, very important, what does God call good? That's what we want to begin to call good. In Joshua chapter 1, there's a statement there, a very key statement, where the Lord said to Joshua, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. But what? You shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is what? Written in it. And then he went on to say, thereby you shall have what? He didn't say success. He said good. He was qualifying success. Because also many of us here, we are also disappointed because we don't have success. And you ask us, what is the success? The success is what this day magazine will call success. Success is what your old school um, WhatsApp media group will call success. But what does the Christian call success? What is, this, what is success from the eyes of God? That is the life of faith. Now, as we are looking at this thing now, don't imagine that it means you will not succeed. But it means it will be a success that will have value for eternity. Are you with me? Let me give you a practical illustration. Open to Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, we have the account of Daniel and the Hebrew boys. And the Bible says they were taken captive. I bless God because that story was, you know, they helped us because they said there that God had given their king over to the Babylonians. So at the back of all that was happening, God was even there. Okay? And the Bible says the king made a request that young men should be chosen in whom, verse 4, whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, and all of that, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, that they might teach them the language and the literature of the children. And the Bible says the king appointed for this select people a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them so that they might be, be able to serve before the king. Now from among them, verse 6, those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave the names to Daniel. He gave the name Belshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. It says something there. It says, but Daniel did what? Purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Let's stop here. Now, Daniel was selected. He was shortlisted and then given a privilege. People were clapping and rejoicing and looking forward to enjoying and maximizing this special privilege. In the midst of it, Daniel says, what they called the king's delicacy. Daniel said to him is what? Defilement now. He said to him is defilement. Now, was the food bad? No. It was the best that there could be. But you see, Daniel was living a life of faith. That's faith. I'm trying to help you to wear the sunglasses of faith. So the food was good. It made sense. You know how somebody said this thing makes sense? It made, because remember, they were entering a competition. All of them were going to be tested at the end. And everything mattered. The food, there are foods that help you, you know, to, to, to have retentive memory. I'm sure you know that. Uh -huh. Now, if you're drinking only, Gary, you'll feel mad. But if the milo and milk is in your provision, it helps you to remember calculus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Uh -huh. so, so, some people, you would have done better if not that you were doing 001 in school. Uh -huh. It affected your academics. So, good food was helpful. But Daniel said, this food may be good to you, but from what my God is telling me, it will spoil my chances. Note, Daniel didn't go around telling everybody, don't eat this food. Don't. He didn't carry a placard. Say, don't eat this food. No, he was living a life of faith for himself and his friends. They decided this food is not good for Others may eat. The Christian must come to the point where to him, he desires and worries only according to God's direction. Not by common judgment. Not by popular opinion. One of the greatest challenges we have in Christianity today is what people say. What people call good or what people call bad. What people call success or what people call failure. But Daniel said, no, I'm not going to bother about that. I'm going to follow God's own calibration. So God says, this is not good and therefore it's not good for me. And they requested vegetable. I, I love that story because at the end of the story, the Bible says, if you come down to to verse 17. It says, 17 says now, as for these four young men, what happened to them? God gave them knowledge and skill in all what? Literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding of visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. Now, look at 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, what happened? He found them, what, 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were, you know, these were the teachers, not their classmates. Now, let me ask you a question now. If you were in their group now, what would you have wished you did? You would have joined Daniel. The thing that happens is this. When we hear what we should do or the life we should live as Christians, we imagine that we are just suffering. No, you're not just suffering. It's a preparation for glory. Every time. The only difference is that in this case, the result came after three years. Some result might take eternity to manifest. Some result might take 30 years to manifest. Some result might take 10 years to marry. Somebody, you would have almost gotten married. But you said, I know this is not God's will. And you left the person. And for 10 years after, nobody came for you. And it's as though you have failed. You should have gone back and married that person that you knew was not God's will. But after 10 years, God in his mercy sends you his will. And then you have joy and joy and joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the Christian must settle. You must settle what is good. And then your reading of time must also change. A day with your God is a thousand years. And a thousand years with your God is one day. So what is fast? If I say I'll do it quickly, and we're speaking the language of God, that means it can be tomorrow. And that means also it can be what? The year 3000 and... But that is faith. If it's not that, then it's not faith. If you don't read your life in that way, then it's not faith. Those are the foundations of faith. So when I say this person is successful, on what basis am I saying it? Am I saying because yesterday he jumped and today there's result? Am I saying it because he's following the principles? He's following the path. That is the life of faith. If it's not that, you know what it is? It is sight. And unfortunately, many of us are walking by sight. What we rejoice over, what we call success, is because we can see. And what we detest or what we look down upon is because of what we cannot see. And then we want to claim we are people of faith. No, we're not people of faith. Joseph, 17 years after his dreams, landed into Egypt. One year passed. You know, we read the Bible and we, because it's one verse, the next verse, or one chapter to two chapters, we think it happened next tomorrow. Anybody here has had a dream and for 13 years plus, it hasn't come to pass. Do you understand? One year passed, two years passed, and then the process of this, waiting for this dream to manifest, he was not getting one step closer. He was not moving from glory to glory. He was not getting closer by the day. 
Praise the Lord. Every day, the more he waited and persevered, the worse he became. But the Bible says, I like parts of that story. It said, and Potiphar, I wish I had time to read it after. He said, and Potiphar threw Joseph into the prison. Into the prison where the king's prisoners were kept. I know what the Bible said. And the Lord was with him. Now, let me tell you another thing. You and I, many times people try to teach us, if God doesn't do it, that means you don't have faith. God was there and entered. So the Potiphar threw God and Joseph into prison. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But many of us, once something doesn't happen positively for us, not even that's the way we look at it. If it does not happen immediately in a positive way, then God has failed us. But God, you see, <laughs> praise God. Joseph was innocent, falsely accused. At that moment, if Joseph was praying, what do you think he's praying? God, you must answer me today. So finally, Potiphar comes back. And he would expect that Potiphar would have seen a vision. That his wife was guilty and Joseph was innocent. And would have honored him and punished the wife. But right before his eyes, Potiphar went and said to the wife, Sorry, don't mind that yeah, yeah boy. I will deal with him. Joseph will be saying, Oh, you. Oh, Barry. Do you understand? It will be like a joke. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, these things are written for us. Someone might be on a partner, and it's as though you're just failing upon failure. But who said so? Who is interpreting your life to you? Is it the books of success and the messages of success that they are not spiritual things? The spiritual pattern is this there must be a death, and then there must be what? A resurrection. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. Jesus, many things he taught, he didn't repeat it. But this one, he said it over three or four times in each gospel. He said, this will be the sign. The son of man will be betrayed into the hands of evil men. He will be betrayed. He will be killed. And on the third day, he will do it. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. But once the life of the believer does not just walk out straight, they begin to say, God, no. It's not so. Unless you're reading by sight. But if it's by faith, he kept going down. And in the case of Daniel, we saw what happened after that first stage. They were encouraged. They saw that, ah, we are reigning here. But he saw that they kept going through tests. Why? Because like we learned, the path of the righteous man is hills and valleys. You go up, they say, okay, you have arrived there. I want to take you high. What do they do? They, they bring you down again. They bring you down you're faithful, you pass the test, you go high again. And then it continues like that. It continues like that, it continues. Why? Because your God is not seeing things as you are seeing. And he has begged you, he has commanded us to look at life from his eyes. To read life from his eyes. So we have enemies. What should you do on to your enemies? Eliminate them. Praise the Lord. It makes sense. Someone annoys you, what should you do to the person? I mean, annoy him back. Praise the Lord. Fire for fire, isn't it? But what does your God say he should do? He said, no, don't do that. He said, give him water. He said, pray for him. He said, forgive him. Why? Because he's coming from a different point of view. I've told you here about the story about the man who was robbed. Very important. These are Christian perspective. And that is what faith is about. The, the true faith is a Christian perspective. It's not noise. It's not noise. It's a lifestyle. Now, this man was robbed. The man was robbed. And maybe he had been speaking like, um, you know, like what we are talking about now. So his friends gather around and I say, okay, every time you're saying God, God, God now. So what is it you can say now? Eh? See how they robbed you, maybe, you know, made him naked and all of that. And the man laughed. I said, look at you people. You don't know, you have not seen the goodness of God. They say, where is the goodness of God? He didn't protect you from being. The man said in the first place, which would you want to be? The robber or the robbed? I'm here standing, I'm not a robber. I bless God. I bless God. And they were looking. He said, yes. There are two people in this story. One is a robber. Who judgment is going to come to? I'm here, robbed. I said, number two. How many madmen have you seen, Rob? I was blessed enough to carry treasure that a robber will come to rob me. He said, I'm thanking God that I'm not a robber. 
I'm thanking God for his blessings in my life. He went on and on until this. That is God's view. That is a higher view. So we, we have some people, Christians, you know, you enter into transactions with people and you hurt them and you claim faith. One of the things that Jabez, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I feel that I'm, I don't know I have a problem, but it's a good problem because I see untruth. I see how people emphasize what is not. The prayer of Jabez, the prayer of Jabez, the prayer. So they make it just a prayer of prosperity. But the main thing in the prayer of Jabez is that he said, that I may not cause pain. That I may not cause pain. That's the main thing. Because the mother bore him in pain. And he went to God, please bless me. Remove this curse. Let me not scatter pain anywhere I go. Let me bring a blessing. It's not about him acquiring all the properties in Abuja. No, he said that I may not cause pain. That's what the Christian must cry to the Lord for. That I may not cause pain. In every transaction, right, didn't Jesus say suffer loss rather than offend? How many people are taught that in the church? The Lord will help us because that is what faith is. Praise the Lord. So we must, you know, we must sit down and tell God, please, just give me your view of my world. Give me your view. Give me your interpretation. Don't allow me to set the dictionary of the word and begin to interpret what is good. Tell me what is good. I tried to round up with the prayers in Matthew, Matthew 7 and Luke 11. So let's have some people open Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Some people open Luke 9 to 13. Teaching us to pray. Teaching us, ask. If you're in Matthew 7, you can read for me. Okay, I'm there. Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be what? Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him what? A stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven do what? Give good things to those who ask him not the word good you can underline it in your bible good things what we are looking at tonight is what is good praise god what is good what is good must not be defined by me how many of us are raising children you know how oftentimes your child asks for something that is not good for them or for him or her how many of us and then they're asking for it passionately sometimes they're crying sometimes they're throwing tantrums you know their children they even hit their heads on the wall. You see, because they want you to do that very thing. Do you know why that person says, "Which father will the, the will the son ask for bread and he'll give him a stone?" You know why that thing is there? It's not from that sense. It's saying when you ask, because the key thing there is that God will grant you your request, isn't it? The key thing there is this: when God answers what you're requesting, sometimes you might think it's a stone. Because if that is not it, then it means all our requests are not answered, isn't it? But he's saying, because now taking yourself as a parent, sometimes your child wants chocolate, wants chocolate, wants chocolate. But you take that chocolate and hide it and you prepare a bono soup. Eh? And you say, vegetable is good for you. To that child, he, have, he has asked for bread and all you could give was stone. But I bet you if Jesus tarries, when that child becomes a mother, the same child will give stone. Are you getting what I'm saying? Verse 11 says, that's how the father will give what? Good things. But good defined by God. That's what we want to learn. Good defined by God. Luke 11, 9 to 13, please. Good things. I want you to underline it. Luke 11, verse 9. The same thing. It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks does what? Receives. This is a categorical statement. And he who seeks finds. Yes. And to him who knocks, it will be what? Open. This is where it gets common. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Trying to say, when you ask, I give you something. But you call it a stone. It's not a stone. If you ask for fish, will you give him a serpent? You won't do that. So why are you thinking that what I'm blessing you with is serpent? He goes on, if you ask for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Now, 14 says, 13, sorry. If we then, 
being evil, know how to give good gifts. And as we have agreed, we don't exactly give them what they want. We give them what is what? Good for them. It says, how shall your heavenly father not give what now? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. How shall your... So we see in Matthew the Spirit of God calling it good things. And then we see in Luke the Spirit of God saying, is actually me. So what we are saying tonight is this, child of God. You are already blessed. For every prayer you have made, if you have been following God faithfully, he has given you an answer. It may not be what you ask for, but it's what is good for you. Are you with me? And if you hold on to that, you will find as your days and years unfold, are you with me, that it was really what? Good for you. You, 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 you don't know. You, you and I can't begin to imagine what exactly is the best for us. No, but the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, searches the mind of God. So it says, shall he not give you the Holy Spirit when you make a prayer request? Praise the Lord. Uh, there, there, there are many desires, many things, you know, that you, you, would have, you and I would have wanted God to have done for us many years ago. But God knows what is good for you. He knows that he's going to make you a billionaire. But he needs to deal with that temper. He needs to deal with that contentment. Someone said, I think it was Bob Manley that said that riches are counted in numbers. And numbers never end. That's why he never satisfied. Have you ever seen a man without Christ who says, I'm just satisfied? Rather, the more they have, you know what happens? The more they want to have. The more they get, the more they want to get. You know why? Because he doesn't satisfy. So God, being our father, will want to give us good things. He wants to work some work in us. Work some, you know, some compassion praise the lord god will not take you as a christian to that he would have why do you think david went through he went through before he entered the palace so that when he sat as king he will have a heart that could be touched with the feeling of people's infirmity that's how come he could make a rule that whether you went to the war or you stayed with the supply you will get something you know why he had seen the mercies of the lord some of us, our rise becomes too much. That our very rise becomes the setup for our downfall. But God in his mercy, if you're praying to him, will be giving you good things. He shuts some doors before you. He makes you fumble in some areas so that you will not be in touch with your humanity. He will remind you that you're still flesh. You're not. Moses' mistake was when he said to the people of Israel, he put Israel on one side and put he and God on the other side. And said, must we bring out water for you? God in his goodness will not allow you to get to the point where you will look at his people. Who are your people? The same with you. You see, those are the good things he wants to work. But many times to us, it's not like that. We want it fast, fast. Praise the Lord. And the Lord says, I love you. We started by saying, God did not withhold his only son, Jesus, but delivered him for you. Praise the Lord. Anybody doubting that act, anybody doubting that on the cross, Jesus hung there for him or her, if he didn't bring Jesus down from the cross so that you and I can be reconciled with him, what good thing shall he withhold from you? But what is good? Let him define good for us. Praise the Lord. Let him define good. The Bible says, the Lord will give grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold. That's why you find out if you're following him. Many times it hasn't happened like you want. But you see you're making it through. You know why? He gives grace until you arrive at his good. Let's go ahead as we go to him in prayer. Now, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Can you put Isaiah 5, Isaiah 5 verse 20, please, and 21. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, redefine my terms. 
redefine my terms give me your own interpretation i've heard i've seen i've imagined many voices are speaking many authorities are speaking but the bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down of imagination and every high thing that exalts itself lord there are things that i think are bad now but maybe they are good there are some things i think they are good but maybe they are bad lord open my eyes open my understanding the bible says woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter verse 21 please woe it says woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight tonight let us go to the lord and say lord i rededicate my life i bring my christian journey back to you lord define my steps let me walk in your steps teach me your ways lord help me lord be the master of my destiny you are the porter i am the clay tonight we are surrendering to you individually as families as a church oh lord we're saying help us let us weep over he what heaven weeps let us rejoice over what heaven rejoices let us not join with the world let our values oh lord be recalibrated let us be in tune with you lord let us no longer be wise in our own eyes let us not be depressed over what we should be excited about let us not be excited over what we should be depressed let oh lord our eyes see as you see lord show us life from the top of the mountain from the high places from the place of holiness from the place of beauty from the place of eternity from the place of righteousness from the place of things that have weight lord help me oh lord help me someone is heavy-hearted and all you're bothered about doesn't really matter if you looked into the eyes and the things of god the songwriter says when your love surrounds me when all things become shadows in the light of you if you would allow his light to fall on your situation you will see the mercy of the lord you will see the goodness of the lord you will see the plot of heaven unfolding in your life preparing you for a destiny encounter preparing you to matter in eternity preparing you to bring fruits to the kingdom lord help me to see as you see somebody is discouraged somebody is frustrated and all that there is is because you have taken cue from the enemy stop listening to the enemy let the spirit of god speak to you let the spirit of god speak to you let him read your situation i want you to go to him say no more cast down every imagination everything that says ah it is not it no i will not be wise in my own eyes i will not be prudent in myself speak to me lord i ask what is good this that 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 i'm bothered about is it what i should bother about lord help us oh lord help us to look to the things that matter let us measure the things that count in eternity help me oh lord help me lord free me no wonder lord jesus said to us come to me all ye that are that labor and are heavy laden he says and i'll give you rest how will i give you rest he says you take my burden upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light every other yoke is heavy the yoke of expectations the yoke of contemporaries the yoke of measurement the yoke of time the yoke of your feelings they will bring pressure they will bring discouragement but when you look to your lord he says i've been this way before i can walk you through it hold my hand and i will lead you on tonight somebody needs to exchange whatever yoke you came into church with and tell the lord give me your yoke give me your own yoke i lay my burdens down i lay down because i guess you didn't give it to me i pick up your burdens i'm concerned about my heart i'm concerned about my worship i'm concerned about my dedication i'm concerned about my patience i'm concerned about my integrity that is what i should bother about 
many Christians are worried about their prosperity. But what about their integrity? But what about their faithfulness? What about their faithfulness? What about their word? Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. I, I sense the Spirit of God saying to someone here tonight, you can make that change. Lay down those burdens. Lay down those burdens. Lay down those cares. Lay down those worries. For somebody saying, let me change your perspective. Allow me to change it completely. Jesus said to Martha, you're worried about so many things. Somebody came into church tonight, concerned about so many things. But only one thing is needful. Only one thing is needful. He said to tell you, only one thing is needful. And what is that thing? He said, be with me. For if God be with you, if I'm with you, Joseph was thrown in prison, but I was with him. It, only one thing is needful. He said, Mary have chosen that. Mary chose to be by my side. She chose to be at my feet. Only one thing is needful. Take it tonight. Take it tonight. Choose it tonight. Choose it tonight. Don't be concerned about many things. Yes, I know. They might sound so heavy and so real. They must be attended to. But tonight, Jesus is saying, Roll it to me. Roll it to me. Roll it to me. He said, Roll it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Say, Come. That's my invitation. Come. Come. I will hold you. I will be with you. Don't listen to what others are saying. Listen to what your master, your redeemer, the lover of your soul, the captain of your salvation, the one who has called you. Says I'm speaking. Comfort. Mercy. Says I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Say that thoughts of good. Never of evil. <laughs> To bring you to a future. He said, when I chose you, I had already finished things concerning you. I predestinated you. And I'm working to bring you to conform to that which I've already ordained. I want your faith to rise in another dimension. A careless and a reckless faith. Saying, I know whom I believe. The faith that David had. Listen to me. This is a serious moment. The faith that David had. And Saul was right before him. But he wouldn't strike Saul dead. Because something in him said to him. is a settled matter. God will bring it to pass. God will bring it. I don't need to hasten it. I don't need to hasten it. Tonight I want your faith to rise. He who called you. Is faithful. He that washed your sins away. Child of God can wash your debt away. He that took the burden of your iniquity can take the burdens of the demands that are on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come as a family. We come as your church. Tonight, we have learned from the error of Adam and Eve. And we are coming back 
to say, let us see only you. Let us hear only you. Let only your words carry weight to us. We shut our ears, our hearts, our eyes to the opinions and the measurements and the expectations of man. We say none of them made us. None of them went to the cross for us. You have shown and proved your love to us. We will worship you. Thank you, o Lord our God. For in you we have a future. In you we have a destiny. It is a secured one. Lord, tonight we receive a heart of obedience. We receive the grace to follow day by day. Daily as we live, like the songwriter says, let our whole lives be testimonies and expressions of your grace. Lord, we thank you for like you showed us in the case of Daniel. It's because we will outclass our competitors. It's not for punishment. It is for distinction. It is for glory. Thank you for that one that came in weeping. She weeps no more. Thank you for that one came, that came in heavy hearted. For with the eyes lifted, he can see the glory of the Lord descending upon his life. Lord, as a church, we thank you. For he said to us, lay hold of eternal life. He said, hold fast the word of faith. We are holding on to your word. And we know you are the God of the Father's church. Your glory will be seen in us. Your glory will be seen through us. Multitudes will come to the knowledge of the truth by this assembly in the name of jesus lord we declare that we are not moved by what we are saying for we know you you are able to save by many or by few we remember our nation nigeria for this purpose you have raised us to be a witness we declare your glory will cover this nation your fear will be upon the peoples of this nation they shall yet say have you heard what the lord has done on the streets of this nation because of the glorious thing you will do above all oh lord in your kingdom none of us will be found wanting lord we thank you we give you praise and glory in jesus name we have prayed praise the lord somebody praise the lord somebody Listening to a message by Pastor Ikenaukeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09 290 9000 or 073 15 You can find us online at www. Dot the God bless you.